We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome into the Pack a Day podcast. It is Thursday. It's game day edition. And my goodness, do we have a good one for you? I'm joined by Dusty Evely, Sarah Kelleher. And uh, guys, we got a special guest with us. Matt Schneidman of The Athletic is joining us to talk all sorts of Packers. Uh, they are in Canada. So we've got some great questions for Matt. But uh, Dusty, Sarah, how are you doing? Great. Doing great. Yeah, I'm good. I'm excited for this. I think it's going to be fun. All right, and welcome in, Matt, to the Pack-A-Day podcast. How you doing, bud? Good. I don't know how you said special guest. I don't know how special I am, but I appreciate that. You cover the Packers every single day, which pretty much everybody who listens <laughs> to this podcast wants to do. So, yeah, we consider you a special guest for right, sure. Fair enough. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We know uh, you'll be flying to Winnipeg tomorrow, so that's why you can't join us on the uh, Wednesday night. But uh, we appreciate you making the time for us. We wanted to have a little bit of fun with you because, you know, you're new to the Packers beat and we want to get to know some more things about you. So we're going to do a couple of quick questions, you know, no follow-ups unless you give us some weird-ass answers. (laughs) But so we're just going to hit you each with two of them. So I'm going to start you off. What is your go-to movie theater snack? My go-to movie theater snack. It's got to be popcorn and loaded up with as much much of that artificial butter as you can. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Sarah, Sarah, what do you got? 
Um, I have favorite Oreo, which is a very controversial question with the three of us. Favorite Oreo. It's got to be just the traditional, but but double stuffed with the, I don't even, is it vanilla filling? I don't even know. The, whatever the white filling is. I mean, I've had different kinds. I've had peanut butter, but got to go double stuffed with the white filling. We, got, we were afraid you were going to answer wrong. We were going to have to end the call early. So good job. <laughs> that was good. Is that a fair answer? <laughs> Yes, that is 100% acceptable. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, I would do a uh, favorite band and or album. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, that's tough. I'm not a big – this is going to be a cop-out answer. I'm not a big band guy. I'm more of a solo artist guy. I'm only 24 years old. I'm going to make my dad happy and say Grateful Dead. That's not my actual favorite band, but maybe we can cut that part. Say my actual favorite band is Grateful Dead because that's my dad's favorite. It's fair. That's fair. We'll take it. Who then would be like your solo band? I'm a Chance the Rapper fan. Saw him perform live in college a couple years ago. That was good. Um, any answer I give is going to be way too millennial for your guys' audience, so I'm going to stop right there so nobody gets more mad at me. Sarah's like Sarah's like 21, so... yeah. I was just going to say, this is like new territory for me because usually I get made fun of by these two consistently because they're like, oh, you don't get it. You're too young. So, I'm only 24. <laughs> yeah, this is nice. This is good. You know, we have somebody finally who's there to, to relate to. So that's good. Uh, I have a, a another one to go to. Do you have like an irrational fear? Like I hate clowns. They, they freak the hell out of me. Is there anything, that it's, <laughs> anything like that that, you know, you just fear? That you, you that, that most people don't. An irrational fear. You know, the typical ones are like heights, spiders. I'm fine with both of those. I don't know. I don't. I don't really have a, a phobia or a fear. That's not a bad answer. Not, I mean, that's that's, that's lame to say, but like, I, I I'm not scared of heights. But when I was in Toronto, I'll, I'll say this to to fill in for the non-answer. When I was in Toronto a couple of weeks ago, covering the NBA Finals at at my old job. I went up on the CN Tower, which is the fifth tallest building in the world, and you have to, like, walk around it, you're harnessed in. And, and I didn't think I was scared of heights, but when I went up there and was looking down on the whole city with nothing between me and, and the fifth tallest building in the world, it was really scary. So maybe a little bit of heights, but I wouldn't say it's, like, an irrational fear. I like it. Terry, you got any more? No, I didn't have any more. I only had one. All right, I'm going to go back to favorite again, man. I'm going to go uh, say favorite movie. Or, or top movie, not necessarily favorite, favorite. You can cop right. out as much as you want. Just a movie you love that you've seen a thousand times. Well, I got three. I got three that are tied for first. I got Dodgeball, Happy Gilmore, and Benchwarmers. Those are my three. <laughs> right there. All right. All right. Benchwarmers is such an underrated movie. Right? <laughs> yeah. All right, I've, ne- so- I've never seen Benchwarmers. I know the other two. What? I love the other two. I've never seen Benchwarmers. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. We might have to kick you off the call. <laughs> yeah, that's Steve's been wanting to do that for like a year now, so it'll be fine. The only problem is Dusty records everything for us, so it kind of <laughs> throws a wrench in it. But uh, we can maybe mute him. I think that would work. That would that's just fair. Out. I'll t- catch you guys on the other side. I like it. I like it. So what we normally do now, um, it's a preseason. This is a game day episode. We normally kind of run through a couple of things that we're looking for in the preseason game. Since you cover them uh, exclusively, we want to hear what you're going to be looking for in, in preseason game number three versus the Raiders in Canada. I mean, number one, we got to start. Are you going to go get some poutine? Do you know what poutine is? I do know what poutine okay. is. I've been to Canada multiple times. I'm not a huge fan of it, 
Um, and I don't know how much time I'll have because I, at the time we're recording this, it's Tuesday night. I land uh, about 9.30, 10 p.m. Wednesday night. I don't know how much time I'll have on game day, but I've had poutine before. I've been to Toronto. I've been to Montreal. I've been to Quebec. I've been to Calgary. Not a huge fan of poutine, but excited to go to Canada again. Okay. Well, let's just uh, let's let's jump into the game. I mean, what what are the top like two or three things you're looking for, watching for in this game? Yeah, I'm expecting. I, I know Matt Lafleur said today to us that uh, Aaron Rodgers is to be determined his playing time. I think he'll get about a series. He said Aaron Jones will get about a series. We won't be able to deduce too much from what the offensive starters will do. Rodgers was telling us yesterday, you know, if I throw an 80-yard touchdown, that won't give me any more confidence in what our offense does. If I go three and out, that won't give me any less confidence in what our offense does. So obviously we're looking for the second and third tier guys. I'll give you three things. I'm looking at Ty Summers. I think he's a really uh, intriguing guy because he's, he's always really quick to the ball. But as we've seen the last two weeks, He's really having trouble finishing plays. I've counted nine missed tackles, I believe. There were four in the Texans game, five in the Ravens game. Uh, And right now I have him outside the roster bubble because of just his his inability to finish tackles. And and when we talked to LaFleur in Baltimore after the Ravens game, he was really disappointed in that. So can Ty Summers still still be quick to the ball, but, but now against the Raiders, finish tackles. I'll be looking for that. I'll be looking for Rashawn Gary. I know there's a lot of talk about he hasn't had a single tackle, a single stat the first two games. But talking to Mike Pettin, LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, they see reasons for optimism. So uh, I'm looking for Rashawn Gary to finally put something on paper, start to finish some of these plays. And then I'm really inter- interested to see how uh, the backup quarterback battle shakes out. I think Deshaun Kaiser and Tim Boyle have played fairly evenly the first two games. I think everyone knows Kaiser is the higher risk, but also the higher reward player. Boyle has been more consistent. Um, right now, I think Kaiser still has a little bit of an edge on Boyle, but I would not be surprised if the Packers keep only two quarterbacks and then stash Manny Wilkins on the practice squad as kind of an emergency valve. So right now, I think if they kept only two, which I would, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, I think Kaiser would be the guy but if Boyle outplays him, I, I don't think it's that big of a gap between them. I think Boyle could also have that spot. So I think it's an ongoing competition, to put it uh, very cliche, between those two. And, and I'm looking forward to see what, what both of them can do after Aaron gets his series in there on Thursday. Very cool. I mean, that's kind of what we want to do. We want to give the, the Packer fans something to look for. And that was uh, three great tidbits for them to go Things you go watch in the preseason game when it's a preseason game and where it's not the most exciting thing in the world. So now I think what we want to do is we're just going to start rotating questions and kind of peppering you with everything and anything we can think of. So I kind of want to start off and just have you talk a little bit about where you came from, actually. So we know, you know, everybody wants to know the Packers beat reporters and, you know, you've covered the NFL before, but know where you came from and uh, how you how you came about getting to the athletic yes i'm 24 years old graduated from syracuse university in 2017 after that i interned for the buffalo news for about three months covering everything from uh minor league baseball the the toronto blue jays triple a team is there to buffalo sabers development camp i helped out with uh, buffalo bills training camp and I got a job covering, ironically, the Oakland Raiders at the San Jose Mercury News. 
um, started in September 2017. I covered the Raiders for the 2017 season and the 2018 season. So that Jack Del Rio covered John Gruden last season. Um, he's as much of a character as you guys are seeing on Hard Knocks. I, I kind of have a good time watching that because I've been around that team the last two years and, and was around them for the first part of this offseason, so know most of those guys. Um, and then came here for, for the Athletic. I know Michael Cohen had this job before me. I know Michael uh, very well. Uh, I've known him probably since I was a sophomore in college, so 2015. Uh, he's obviously a Syracuse guy, too. Also from Connecticut. I'm from Connecticut. Was born in New York City. Lived in Connecticut pretty much my whole life until I went out to California to cover the Raiders. So I know Michael well. I know some of the angry athletic commenters want Michael Cohen back, but I promise be patient. Uh, so that's how I kind of got here. I know I'm young, unproven, but I'm excited to to really dig in here this season. I think the Packers are going to be a playoff team. I, I think so. Um I'm not a huge fan of Kirk Cousins or Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe their defenses are better than the Packers' defense, but um, it'll be interesting. I'm really looking forward to it. Like Green Bay so far, like I said, I'm from New York City, Connecticut, lived in San Francisco and Oakland for the past two years. Green Bay's way different, but I'm enjoying it so far. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to getting this thing started here in a couple weeks in Chicago. Very cool. Dusty, what you got? Yeah, I mean, kind of going off of some of that, I mean, you you just mentioned, you know, New York to, to Oakland or to California to uh, Green Bay. Kind of what, what are some of the main differences you've seen uh, between uh, Oakland, where you covered uh, the Raiders, and also uh, and Green Bay? I mean, what are the big things I'm kind of curious about? I saw you actually sat in the black hole for a game. Yeah, so that was like the last, one of the last stories I did for the Mercury News out there. It was uh, it's supposed to be the Raiders' last game ever in Oakland because uh, they didn't have like an agreement or a lease agreement with uh, the Oakland Coliseum for the 2019 season. So everyone thought, and the real feeling around the team, because the city of Oakland was suing the Raiders, that uh, that week 16, I believe it was, Monday night game against the Broncos in Oakland was going to be the last game. Both teams were out of it. It was completely uninteresting otherwise. So I thought... You know, why not sit in the black hole, one of the most iconic fan sections in, in the NFL, and kind of tell the story of this fan base. They're about to lose their team, not only next season, but then when they move to Vegas. And uh, as kind of a, a Bay Area transplant, not really knowing the history of the black hole, I thought it'd be an interesting perspective. And I had a great time. I mean, the Raiders won that game. They had a 99-yard kick return for a touchdown. And, and in the black hole, you get all different kinds of people. And that's what kind of makes the Raiders fan base really special is kind of how diverse they are. So that was an interesting kind of, kind of first person thing, but going back to your original question, the main difference is I lived in San Francisco for the first year I was out there and then Oakland for the second year I was out there. And there are a lot, it's really fast paced. Obviously both the San Francisco is more of a city and Oakland's really more of a town, but Green Bay. I live in downtown Green Bay, so it's nice because everything's within walking distance and Lambeau's only within a eight, nine minute drive. But um, the demographic is obviously different. Um, it's a lot less diverse in Green Bay. I don't think I'm surprising anyone when I say that. <laughs> but uh, I'm really enjoying Green Bay. It's kind of, uh, I don't want to say secluded because I haven't really been to other areas of Wisconsin, but uh, there's a lot less going on, but at the same time, I've met some really cool people so far, people in my building, so I've enjoyed it so far. That's awesome. Cool. My question kind of ties 
into both of those and really just what's your favorite part about Green Bay so far, whether it's your job or personal life or anything? Yeah, I think one of the big thing, one of the most important things for me in, in covering a team is having just a fan base that cares about what I write. And, you know, I had that with the Raiders and I obviously have that with the Packers. I think there are very few teams in the NFL, probably like the Steelers, the Patriots and the Cowboys are probably the other three that come to mind about fan bases that just have a, a craving for anything you write. And, and the really cool thing about Green Bay is it's like a college town, but with an NFL team. So the first week I was here, I didn't have a car because it was getting shipped from California. And every single Uber or Lyft driver I had was like a diehard Packers fan. And they were really <laughs> interested that I was here to cover the Packers. So what's really cool is, is just how um, crazy this town is about the Packers. It makes me feel like my job is important. And like when I was at Syracuse covering basketball and football teams, like on game days, you could just feel everyone in that city knew what was going on that day with the game. And, and that just made you feel like covering the team was really important. So being here, being in essentially a college town with a football team uh, it is really cool to me because I'm around the Packers every day and, and everyone in this city knows who the Packers are and cares about the Packers. So I think that kind of environment is really cool. And that's why I'm really looking forward to the first game day here that Sunday against the Vikings. Uh, that can't get here soon enough. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, wait till uh, it's an actual regular season game. And you right, can, exactly. you feel that, oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's unreal. So I want to talk a little bit wide receivers. That's uh, one of the biggest battles going on, obviously, that it gets talked about a lot because there's a lot of people making names for themselves. So hit me with what you got. Who, like, How many do you think they're going to keep? Um, are they secretly hoping one of these guys on the bottom kind of nicks something up and then they can throw them on the IR? Like, What do you think their plans are? What, like, what, are, you, what are you hearing? Yeah, I, I would assume they keep seven just because of how deep this group is. You know, if they take two quarterbacks, I think one of those, that third quarterback spot could go to an extra wide receiver. Um, obviously, the big question this year is who's going to step up behind Devontae Adams. Last year, he obviously had 13 touchdowns. Four other guys on the Packers had two. That was the biggest gap between first and second place on a single team in receiving touchdowns in the entire NFL. No other team had that big of a disparity in receiving touchdowns. So I just think that goes to, they, they need depth. Geronimo Allison is going to be the main guy in the slot this year. MVS is going to be uh, the other starting outside guy. I think Kumaro is a lock. I think he really, and that's not just because like he's this cult hero and Aaron Hodgman <laughs> loves him, but he actually had a really good training camp. I, in a story I have going up tomorrow, you know, I don't, th I wrote, I don't think I saw Kumaro drop a ball this entire camp when, you know, him and Devontae Adams are probably the only two who who I didn't see drop a ball this entire camp. I think EQ is safe, uh, but then that's where it really gets, in gets interesting. I think Trevor Davis, Darius Shepard, and Alan Lazard are either fighting for one or two spots. Um, Davis just returned to practice this weekend. He's obviously, I don't want to say proven because he only played two games last year, but we know what he can do at kick returner. Uh, he's their number one guy there. He's a He's a capable wide receiver. But then again, in the 11 or so days that he's been out, Darius Shepard has proven he he can come up at wide receiver. He's caught a touchdown in both preseason games. He, he had that opening kickoff return for 36 yards against the Ravens. Then Alan Lazard, he, he's had the touchdown catch against the Texans. A couple of big 
catches from Tim Boyle in the Ravens game to set up Shepard's touchdown. And Rodgers said yesterday, you know, more than anyone else, Alan Lazard has impressed me. And I think between those three, it's going to be really tough. And Rodgers was telling us yesterday, this is probably the deepest receiver group he's been around, not necessarily uh, the best based on their resumes. I mean, obviously the Super Bowl team is probably that, but um, based on depth, and Devontae Adams is saying this is going to be the hardest in, in his years here for the coaches to kind of cut it down to six or seven. So what I'm really looking at is that Davis, Shepard, Lazard, uh, whether they keep one or two of those guys and which one or two of that group it is. Uh, I kind of got. I'm going to jump off of that a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, Steve brought up the wide receivers. I'm kind of curious about the running backs. I mean, it seems like every time uh, a player leaves, they they cut a player, they wave a player, they bring in another running back. Running back and, and DB, I've seen a lot of. So uh, just kind of curious, and we've seen them kind of cycle through a bunch of those guys. Does that seem like they're kind of because it seems like they've got you've got a top three. You've got uh, Jones and then the two Williams, and then I guess you put Vitali in there as well as your fullback. Um, we know in the floor's offense, he kind of has a uh, he has a focal point. He like he likes to use his running backs, so you know they're going to keep some. With all these guys they're bringing in, does it seem like they're kind of unhappy with that group of say three, four, maybe even five guys, or they're just kind of kicking the tires to see what shakes, see if someone really kind of jumps out at them? Yeah, I would say uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are the only two locks. I think Dexter Williams isn't a lock yet. I think, I mean. The other day at practice, I think it was Sunday, Matt LaFleur totally lost his mind at him, unlike anything I've seen this training camp. First play of a scripted uh, red zone period early in practice. And Williams, I don't know if he was he ran the wrong route or or what it was, but LaFleur just said he like totally missed his assignment and he knew exactly what he was supposed to do well in advance. And LaFleur just lost his mind, kicked him out of the drill. Williams has had some problems catching the ball. This in at least in practice uh, this preseason from what I've seen. And in this offense, you need to be able to catch the ball if you're a running back. So I think he's one of my guys who I'd say has the most to prove here in the last two weeks to to make his spot on the team. He's a six-rounder. You know, nothing's guaranteed to him. Right. Trey Carson has 1.7 yards per carry on, tw- on, I think it's 14 carries, 24 yards this preseason. You know, he just doesn't have the speed to me to get outside the tackles in this wide zone system. You know, Darren Hall had that 28-yard run, but him, Keith Ford, I don't see them making the team. I honestly would not be surprised if a guy that's not currently on the Packers is that third running back, if Dexter Williams doesn't approve. I think Dexter Williams has that upper hand on that third running back spot. I think they only keep three. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think – He's locked in yet. And then, yeah, Danny Vitale, assuming he comes back from that calf injury, which I think he will at some point in the next two weeks, he can do some things at running back too. When Jones and and Jamal Williams were injured, Danny Vitale took some first-team running back reps. So between Jones, Jamal, Danny Vitale, and whoever that third running back is, I think they've got some things to work with here this year. So with – know new coaching staff and a lot of changes going on what or who even was maybe the biggest surprise coming out of camp for you that's a good question biggest surprise I would uh, I'll take an easy one because I wrote a story on him yesterday but I think Darius Shepard I think it's crazy how he kind of slipped through the cracks He, he wasn't even signed as an undrafted free agent let alone not drafted um, he was the only player the Packers took from their rookie mini camp there in early May. And it's not like he came from some no-name school. It's North Dakota State. They've won six of the last seven FCS championships. And 
he's got some big he's got touchdowns in each of the last two national title games. He was the MVP of the 2019 national championship. But he's not the fastest, even for a small guy, 5'11", 186. Um, it, but I think the Packers, I, I don't want to say they struck gold with him, but just from his performance catching a couple touchdowns, his ability to find the open spots, and, and Rodgers and LaFleur have both said, you know, this is a guy who knows the playbook inside and out. Devontae Adams was telling us, you know, Darius Shepard knows protections that I don't even know. I don't know how helpful that will be, but – Adams was saying he has a lot of respect for him just because of how hard he works off the field, kind of knowing the playbook. So I think that was probably my biggest surprise. Um, trying to think on defense, if there were any, I wouldn't say it, Curtis Bolton, maybe he, he's kind of been a surprise. He got some more reps because Oren Burks got hurt, uh, had that interception against the Ravens has played well in his reps as that first team inside linebacker alongside Blake Martinez. So probably those two, a couple undrafted guys, Curtis Bolton and, and Darius Shepard. There's another guy who does those pack a day podcast writes for cheesehead. He also works for NDSU. So he's been, uh, he's been talking about Shepard all off season. So he's been very, <laughs> very excited about the hype he's getting. I think. All right. I want to go a little bit. You t- you touched on backup quarterback, but that's something I kind of wanted to jump into as well, because I think most Packer fans, when you talk about a backup quarterback, they get nervous because we've seen what happens when Kaiser is the number one. We don't think Tim Boyle is ready to be a number two. Like what, like gut reaction. What do you think? Like, what are they going to do going into it? Are they going to bring three? Are they going to bring two? And if it's only two gun to your head, which guys are going to be? Yeah, I think they're screwed if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt again, because <laughs> at least from what I've seen and just watching the Packers from afar the last two years, Deshaun Kaiser and Tim Boyle cannot win football games in the NFL. I mean, crying out loud, Deshaun Kaiser is part of a Cleveland Browns team that didn't win a single damn game the other year. <laughs> and um, gun to my head, I would go Kaiser right now, just because of his athleticism, his ability to uh, create plays off schedule. Um like I said, I'll take the high reward, even if it comes with the high risk. People that, that I've talked to, his footwork is a lot better, and, and that has helped remedy uh, some of his accuracy issues. You know, Rodgers has talked about that. LaFleur has talked about that. So I'd go Kaiser. I think they're only going to keep two just because they have so many injury concerns at cornerback. I think they might want an extra body there. They might want an extra body at receiver because – of how deep they are there. I think those are the two position groups where that third quarterback spot could be added to uh, at wide receiver or cornerback for a guy like Shepard or Lazard or at cornerback. It could be a guy like Holman or, or Chandon Sullivan. Um, so I think those guys at those sixth or seventh guys at those spots would be more valuable than a third quarterback. We haven't seen much out of Sternberger so far, and that's—I mean—that's mainly a result of that hit he took in the joint practice of the Texans. I know, um, I think you reported he was back at practice today. He will not be playing this weekend, um, and just you know the fact that he's a rookie, he kind of was one of the late signees, and because of the injury, we haven't seen much of him. Uh, do you have any sort of feel whatsoever as far as how he's? what his role might be in this offense. I mean, we've got the, you know, three to four tight ends. It looks like likely carrying in. Uh, do you have, does it look like he might kind of slot in earlier? Or does he seem kind of more like a project or do you have any feel for that whatsoever? He seems more like kind of a project. And I say that more so because of what Robert Tanyan has been able to show this training camp. 
he has really improved as a pass catcher. Not only that, as a, as a run blocker, and that's the biggest thing they wanted from Tanyan is is improving as a run blocker because you know Jimmy Cram, Jimmy Grant, Cram, Jimmy Graham can block in the run a little bit. Mercedes Lewis is their primary run blocker, and I think that's why he'll make the team. I don't think he's a lock yet, but I think they they can't cut their best run blocking tight end. But Tanyan, I think that can afford them some time to develop Sternberger a little bit more. Um, like you said, you know, he's missed the past two plus weeks return today. He's not going to play on Thursday, but Sternberger can catch passes. He, he scored a lot of touchdowns at Texas A&M last year. Um, he'll be a good piece once Jimmy Graham moves on this. I, I wouldn't be, I, I don't know how much Jimmy Graham has left in the tank. If he can't become the red zone threat that he used to be this year for Aaron Rodgers, I don't see any point of them carrying on with him. And then I think they have, uh, the idea that Sternberger could become that next guy, like a potent red zone threat. Obviously he doesn't have the size necessarily that Jimmy Graham does, but uh, he's got that potential. But I think um, not only because of his absence, but also because of the fact they have Tanya. And I think Sternberger will be a little bit more of a project. So would you say that they, they plan on keeping four? Yeah, I, I would say they keep four. I think obviously Graham, uh, Tanya and Sternberger are locks. I would say, I think Lewis is, you know, I think he'll make the team. I don't. I wouldn't say he's a lock. He, he could be. A, if you ask me, who who could be a surprise cut? I could say, you know, Kyler Fackrell maybe, and I would also say Mercedes Lewis because, uh, you know, he's older, he's slower. This offense is clearly going younger and faster. So two opposites there. But at the same time, if they want to have a run game, they got to have a tight end who can block. And Lewis is their best guy at that, or at least be able to sell the run game, the play exactly. action. You can do so much yeah. with that. So. So a lot of people always have an opinion about Aaron Rodgers and what he should be doing, what he shouldn't be doing, his relationships with different people on their staff, different people on the team. But the thing lately has been his participation in these preseason games and whether that would be beneficial to the team or not. So as someone that's there and that's around a lot, what do you think? Do you think it's more beneficial that he does get those reps in preseason now, or a lot of people are saying maybe he shouldn't, he's older, he gets hurt. What's kind of your take on that? I don't think he should play in the preseason at all. I think uh, it's too risky. He's probably, I would say if you had to pick the most valuable player to a single team in the entire NFL, like who's the most irreplaceable person, I think you could make an argument that Aaron Rodgers is that person. The field turf in Winnipeg is a little sketchy. It's a relatively new stadium. Even if he just plays one series, you cannot risk that. And and everything Rodgers told us yesterday, he said, if I don't play a single snap in the preseason, if our offense doesn't play again, I am 100% comfortable with where we are going into Chicago week one. Because what he told us was the most, the best practice I will get in this new offense is in practice. And that's why he was so angry. Not, I shouldn't say he was so angry, but he was not in favor of joint practices because the best defensive looks he'll get are against his own team. Even considering preseason games, even considering the Texans in joint practices. So if people say, you know, he needs to get live game reps in this new offense, you know, he heavily refuted that. And I think more so than anyone else, Aaron Rodgers knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's comfortable about. And, you know, we shouldn't sit here and say Aaron Rodgers needs live game reps if he's sitting there and saying, if I don't get a single live game rep and, and just get good practices in, which from all accounts he's been getting, uh, that he'll be fine going into Chicago week one. So just because of the heavy risk, uh, 
We've seen his knack for injuries the last couple of years. I'm not saying any of those are related to what he's dealing with now, whether it be the back. The back's fine, according to him. But if it was up to me, I would not play Aaron Rodgers for the entire preseason. I'm sure some Packer fans are freaking out after that, but you know. That's, that's <laughs> Uh, so I want to flip to the other side of the ball. We're entering the second year of uh, Patton's defense. Who do you think is going to emerge now as like the leader of this defense? And my other question is, what, like going into the season, what do you think this will be the biggest surprise for the Packers fans defensively? Like, who is there somebody that they don't think will be like a big part of it that will kind of jump out or? You know, what's something that you're kind of looking at for this defense to take a step forward? Yeah, I think Kenny Clark will probably be the the anchor of this defense. We know what he can do on the defensive line. Uh, he's playing for a big-time contract extension this year. And and I think he'll – he'll not that he hasn't already made a name for himself, but I think we'll see some big things from him this year, especially without Mike Daniels. Um, Zadarius Smith is another one who I think has – lived up to the hype around his four-year, $66 million deal, and then some. He's really been impressive. I, I remember early in camp he beat David Bakhtiari on two straight one-on-one pass rushes, and and no one really I – I mean, I know I hadn't been there for that long, but people who have been there for, for longer than I have said, you know, Bakhtiari never loses these, let, let alone two in a row. So I think Zedaria Smith and Kenny Clark are really going to anchor this defense. A surprise, I would say Tony Brown. He – is always talking. He's really hard to miss. Aaron Rodgers had some really good things to say about him the other day, just about his work ethic, how he's always the first one in, last one to leave. But he's been getting first-team reps. And when the Packers go to the dime defense and, and Tremont Williams, who has been being that first-team outside corner guy opposite Jair Alexander because Kevin King, he's just never going to get healthy. Uh, Williams has been that guy opposite Jair Alexander, but when Williams goes into the slot, Tony Brown has been that opposite cornerback um, outside guy on the first team defense. So he's made a lot of plays uh, every so often makes you look up from your notepad and be like, Oh, yep. That's Tony Brown making another play. And I think he's going to be a surprise as whether, whether or not he starts, I do think he's going to be a, a key part of this defense um, I know he showed some signs last year, but I think he'll he'll step into a, a lot more of a consistent role this year, especially if Kevin King can't get healthy. I think Tony Brown's the next guy up you got to look at. I love – there's been a bunch of Tony Brown stories this offseason. I love that every single one starts the same way as that dude talks. That dude talks. Every story is the same. I love yeah, it. Yeah, he, he was riding a mountain bike in the locker room today and, like, <laughs> marking up the carpet because of – like he was just going crazy. He's speeding through there on a mountain bike. He's different, and I think you got to have a little crazy in you if you're going to be a cornerback to kind of trash talk some of these top wide receivers he's going to face this year. So I like what I've seen from him so far. That's awesome. All right, my my last question is: uh, so uh, you know you worked you worked uh, in California last year. Uh, you kind of worked that beat, but you've obviously done your homework. You know a ton about the Packers, uh, and I know you did. You know research coming up in there. But when you were working the Raiders beat last year, and you did not know you were going to be working the Packers coming up, what was your kind of feel from like an outsider perspective? Did they seem like a team like they have had a bad couple of years, and they may be coming back up, or they kind of downswing? And has that changed since you've kind of uh, since you've kind of been working and, and writing about them full time? 
Yeah, I think the perception, I've been asked this before, what was kind of the outside perception of the Packers? I think you said it perfectly, was they're on the downswing, but they're coming back up. And, that, and that's how you feel if you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Last two years, he has not been healthy. Obviously, two years ago was the collarbone. Last year was the knee and the concussion and, and whatever. This year, Aaron Rodgers, at least now, is fully healthy. The back is behind him. And I think that kind of reinforces the outside perception is if you have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you have no excuse not to make the playoffs regardless of what else is going on. And um, even covering the Raiders earlier this offseason, you see from afar some of these defensive additions the Packers have made, both Smiths. You have Rashawn Gary of Darnell Savage, who are both going to play big roles. It's like this team is clearly committed to rounding out that side of the ball. And they it, Packers have not missed the playoffs three straight years since 1990 to 1992. And I think they have done everything in their power this offseason, this preseason, to make sure that doesn't happen. So uh, being here has kind of reinforced that outside perspective of, you know, this team hit, hit a two-year slide, mainly because Rodgers was, was hurt dealing with some nagging injuries, even though I know he played through them last year. And I think this year I truly do that, that they'll return to the playoffs this year. You talked a lot about your experiences, and you're only 24, but you've done so much. What is your favorite memory or something that stands out to you from your journalism career so far? Ooh, that's tough. My favorite memory, I would say, and I can't reveal anything from this, but it was, I think, May. So May of 2018, it was four months after John Gruden took the head coaching job as Raiders head coach. He invited six beat writers out to dinner at a fancy steakhouse in the Bay Area, and I was one of them. So uh, I had to drive a long way to get there, but um, there was only one open seat left at the table, and the defensive coordinator was there, the Raiders' head of PR was there, and Gruden's personal driver was there. But um, I, the only open seat left at the table was right next to John Gruden, so I sat next to him <laughs> for three hours straight at this dinner. And everything was off the record, so I can't share anything that was said, even though I would love to. But uh, just sitting next to him for three hours, picking his brain, getting to know him, uh, he was letting it loose. I mean, everything you see on Hard Knocks, everything you see in Monday Night Football, everything you see about this guy is authentic, is real. He's a really nice guy, really personable guy. Um, and just getting to know him, and that was kind of my first real experience around that big of a personality covering the NFL and kind of developing a relationship with him starting there at, at that dinner table was kind of cool. And, you know, maybe I'll run into him in Winnipeg, ask him an Antonio Brown helmet question or two <laughs> just to piss him off. But uh, getting to know him kind of, it kind of was my first feeling of, okay, you're covering the NFL now because of how many eyes were on him and the challenges that covering John Gruden brings you. Um, that that was pretty cool, starting with that that steakhouse dinner. And he did foot the entire bill. I think it was, I will say, I think it was above $1,300. That's nothing for him, but he did pay for the entire thing. Legitimately <laughs> thought that story was going to end with you got stuck with the bill. So that was, that was good. <laughs> no, that was a happy ending. I did That's not. nice. Okay. <laughs> I actually just drafted Antonio Brown in a uh, fantasy league. So please do ask uh, Gruden if he's going to be playing <laughs> this year. I do, I do need to know that. Inquiring minds do need to know. We will end this. We do. Uh, we. I, I won't hold you to a number if you don't want to do it. But give me a season prediction. You had talked. You, you think they're going to make the playoffs, but do you have a number in mind of something that you're thinking, like win wise? Yeah, I think I've been saying ten and six. 
Um, whether that gets them the wild card or the vision, I don't know. I think it'll be them and I don't know if it'll be the Bears or the Vikings, but I think the NFC North will get two teams in. Um, I think they have a really tough start to the season, not only on the road at Chicago, that's like one of the hardest places, one of the hardest starts of the season you can have. But something that eases that next stretch of games, I believe it's, you know, they have Minnesota, they have Philly, they have Dallas there. It's tough, but most of them are at home, which I think is is a nice, nice plus there. I think Detroit are, is two easy wins. I think the Raiders will be an easy win. They have them week seven. Um, overall, it's 10 and six. I think they get into the playoffs. Who knows what happens after that? But as long as Rodgers can stay healthy and, and with some of these additions on defense, I see no reason they can't get back to the playoffs. Every Packers fan is now rejoicing after hearing that as well. There you go. <laughs> You're welcome. You are definitely winning fans over today. <laughs> very good. Before we go, I think we want to do our tradition of grabbing a score for the preseason game. That means diddly, but it's always fun to be able to joke with each other because Dusty and Sarah were really pissed off that I had the closest score the last time. So let's go. Uh, Matt, what are you thinking? Packers, Raiders, who's going to win? I think uh, m- most often you see the opposite in the preseason as what you see in the regular season. I think the Packers will be better than the Raiders in the regular season. So I'll go 24, 17, uh, Mike Glennon on hard knocks, just kind of convinced me that he'll probably throw another touchdown or two. I think the Packers starting offense will get three points on the first drive. And then, you know, another average showing from Kaiser and Boyle. So I'll go 24, 17 Raiders up in Canada. Dusty. Uh, for the record, Steve, I mean, we weren't pissed. We were making fun of you because you were bragging about getting a preseason score prediction right. Like no, a de- like you a degenerate, started making fun like of me first, and then I bragged about it. I don't remember that. Uh, I'm sure you don't. I don't care. I don't care. I don't know. Packers <laughs> win 45-35. How about that, Steve? How about that? Manny Wilkins has seven touchdowns. Yeah, that's right. He does. <laughs> Welcome to my world, Matt. He's an ass all the time. <laughs> Sarah, what are you thinking? Um, honestly, like I don't really care. Like Dusty was saying, oh, but I'll I'll change it up. The last two games, I said the Packers were going to win. So sorry, I'm going to say they're going to lose this time. Um, I'll say 28-21 by a touchdown. Cool. I will take uh, the Packers full of all the poutine and the goodness of the Molsons <laughs> that I'm sure they'll be drinking. <laughs> While in Canada, so I'm going to take Packers uh, 34, Raiders 21. And, uh, you know, good time had by all in Canada. And I'll get back to Wisconsin and, and finally get ready for the uh, the Bears game. So that will wrap all of this up for us. Matt, we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, if, if we didn't annoy you too much, I'm sure we would love to have you back on in the middle of the season and kind Absolutely. of do, you know, like a mid-season recap type of thing. That would be a lot of fun. So just thanks again. Make sure to follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Schneidman. Um, He's doing some great stuff for The Athletic. So, again, if you guys aren't members or subscribers to The Athletic, be sure to go ahead and do that because they are always putting out great content. I normally like to let everybody have a little bit of time if you want to pump anything else you're doing, Matt, uh, before we get going. I got nothing to plug. I appreciate you guys having me on. Definitely would like to come on again if you'll have me. And and uh, it was a great talk, great chat. 
Outstanding. Outstanding. Yes, we would, we would absolutely love to have you back. Dusty, Sarah, you guys got anything for us before we go? I don't have any. I've got two small things I want to make up for everyone else, I guess. One's an athletic-related thing that, uh, I mean, since we're talking athletic anyway, uh, Ben Fennell's film room stuff is tremendous over at The Athletic Wisconsin. So if you do not subscribe to The Athletic and want to know more about kind of what the Packers are running, uh, his, his, his stuff, it's, it's essential. I read that every single week. He's amazing. Um, so that's my athletic plug, I guess. Uh, and my other one is I started doing a video series of breaking down old Packers plays because apparently I don't have enough going on in my life that I felt like I wanted to record and talk a little more and kind of break down kind of why things happen. My last one I did was on the uh, Rodgers to Cobb game winner in Chicago, against Chicago week one last year. So if you want to hear my big dumb voice and then watch uh, football things, um, I guess you can do that there on YouTube. You can do that. Do it. <laughs> for sure Dusty yeah no that's, that's some good stuff there definitely uh, that's a lot of fun and before we go I want to remind Packer fans don't be morons I was at a friend's house in Indiana over the weekend and I got to meet his cousin who is a Bears fan and I could not say a word in edgewise that was not wrong he didn't know that the Bears had lost Adrian Amos. He didn't know that they had lost their defensive coordinator. He also didn't know that they had lost their starting cornerback. So I just want to talk to people and, and just remember, have a little bit of sensibility when it comes to your team. Like, the Packers are awesome. We all love them. But don't be an ass when you're talking to other people. That's all I got. That's and don't got. bet on preseason games. Thank there you go. Yes, That's Thank all you, you need to know. That that, is very, that's the most important thing. <laughs> I, I, I do apologize to all you degenerates. I did not give the line for tonight's game or for tonight's game. I apologize. But if you're a degenerate like that, then you already know what the line is anyway. So we should be good. <laughs> well, thank you again, Matt, for joining us. We will uh, gladly glad you have you back in a few uh, mo- a month or two. Hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll check in with you and see what's going on with the Packers world in the middle of the regular season. But, uh, follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Schneiman, at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Kelleher4, at Steve Perhatch, and as always, at Packaday Podcast. Thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next week. Uh, actually, Dusty and I will not catch you next week. The very special all-girl episode will be happening next week in our place, so Dusty and I are on sabbatical, and we will catch you for a game day preview against the Chicago Bears on September 3rd. So thanks for listening. We will catch you next week, and as always, go Pack Go! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.